This is Father Patrick Briscoe. This is Father Gregory Pine. And this is Father Joseph Anthony Kress. Welcome to God's Planning. Thanks to all those who support us. If you enjoy the show, please consider making a monthly donation on Patreon. Be sure to like and subscribe to God's Planning wherever you listen to your podcasts. Okay, we're going to change it up. We have two announcements first. (laughs) So instead of doing the announcements at the end of Mass, we're going to do them at the beginning of Mass. Mm -hmm. You know, some places do that, right? Switch it up. Give us a good leadoff hitter. Like, all right, that's push right. it up on us. Love Our it. first big announcement is that in order to help more people be able to attend, to attend our retreats, we're doing a little bit of fundraising for it. So if you're able to support our retreat program, visit our website and find all the information to make a donation this Giving Tuesday to God's Planning to help other people attend our retreats. So the idea is that we, we know that um, a lot of our listeners are not young adults, but one of our main programs is a retreat program for young adults. So if you'd like to support outreach and ministry to young people to keep the faith from dying. Uh, we think that's a good thing. Um, so we'd ask you to give us the money to do that. Okay. So that's the pitch to support our retreat program. Thanks in advance for your generosity. The second announcement we have that is really exciting is that we're going to be at seek and God's planning is going to record. We, the friars of God's planning, cause God's planning is not really a thing. They're just friars of God's planning. Although we talk about God's planning like it's a thing. Anyway, we, the Friars of God's planning, are going to record a podcast episode at Seek. So we hope to see you all there. Check it out. Listen to the episode. It's going to be a great event this year. Father Gregory has a breakout session. That's not what it's actually called. Impact session. So he's a speaker at Seek. Um, So you can all come and get your scapular signed by Father Gregory. He loves to (laughs) autograph scapulars. That's not a real thing. Uh, But you should definitely look for a session. Look for the podcast recording. And look for all the boys in white um, and come say hi. So we really hope to see you there. Now, having concluded the announcements, we can go ahead and dive in to the prayers of Advent. So as we, as we begin, Father Gregory, I'd ask, uh, could you read, a, read the collect of the first Sunday of Advent to, to open this episode in prayer? With pleasure. If you hear me flipping pages, I want to let you know that those pages are unrelated to me reading the collect. I just like flipping pages. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I also like pausing before prayers. It's contemplative. Grant your faithful, we pray, Almighty God, the resolve to run forth to meet your Christ with righteous deeds at his coming, so that gathered at his right hand, they may be worthy to possess the heavenly kingdom. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. And now we'll turn to our first reading. The first reading for the first Sunday of Advent is from the book of Isaiah. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In in the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest mountain and raised above the hills. All nations shall stream toward it. Many people shall come and say, come, let us climb the Lord's mountain to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may instruct us in his ways and we may walk in his paths. For from Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and impose terms on many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. One nation shall not raise the sword against another, nor shall they train for war again. O house of Jacob, come, 
let us walk in the light of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of the things that I really love about these readings uh, from the prophets, especially in the Advent season, is that we get that immediate contrast with where God is and where we are. So here we have the prophet telling us that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest mountain and raised above the hills. And I think part of the mystery of being a believer, uh, part of the mystery of being a Christian, is reconciling ourselves to the fact that God often feels very far from us. God is in the highest mountain. God is far above us. And yet the mystery of Advent, the mystery that the prophets are foretelling, is that we will be led from the low places, from where we are now, to the high places where God dwells. So as we begin this Advent season and we, we begin our, our contemplation on the mystery of the incarnation, when God comes from the highest place to dwell among us, we begin to touch this mystery wherein we're being led by God, accompanied by God, up the mountain, up to the highest hills. So Father Gregory loves all uh, uh, all of this language, I presume. I don't mean to speak for you. You're about to say plenty of your own thoughts. Uh, but, the, but the analogies of mountain climbing are really important for us um, in Advent uh, as a penitential season, right? We, we want to allow this character of uh, determination, of struggle, but also of expectation to mark our Advent journey. So part of the joy of climbing a mountain, not that I've climbed mountains like Father Gregory has, sort of. I'm more I'm more a hill guy, you know, like we can we can we can climb from, the hills. You're from Indiana, the, okay. Indiana, the, that's all I'm the joyful expectation of climbing the heights pervades all of the effort and it's what motivates you. So, so that hope, that sense of longing, uh that that waiting to see the vista, that beautiful view from the highest uh from the highest point, that in, that imbues all of our advent action with meaning, with purpose as we as we move, uh, as we climb, as we strive to go from the, from the lower place to the highest place where God dwells. So I am, it's funny, I'm, I'm inspired by, by similar things. Who'd have thunk that such an occasion should arise? Um, but I focus especially on the words instruct and walk, this idea that we're instructed by the Lord and that we are called to walk with the Lord. And I think that in our human experience, we have lots of models, or we have lots of heroes and we emulate them, right? We look up to them. We look to them for instruction. We look to them for their example, but more often than not, we're, we're disappointed. Not in like, it needn't be in a thoroughgoing sense. Maybe if we're looking up to a certain sports figure and he does something very foolish, then we can be very disappointed. But you know, like at a certain age, we come to the recognition that our parents are fallible and that's kind of, it's kind of difficult. And then we overcorrect and we're like, yeah, they don't know anything. That, that's wrong too. And then we have to swing back eventually and come to appreciate their wisdom in, um, yeah, in a more balanced way. But I don't know that we often appreciate the fact that when we look to God for instruction and when we look to God for example, we're never disappointed. Ever. <laughs> which is astonishing because you think about the nations by which Israel was surrounded in this age. Like some of their gods demanded child sacrifice. <laughs> it's like... We're like, we're living pretty close to crazy town, okay? We're just the next village over. And the God to whom we look is a God whom we can trust wholly and entirely, whom we can follow without any hesitation. And that's not just like a moral point. It's to say that our humanity, with all of its aspirations, you know, to receive God and to, right, to, to participate in some way in God's very life, will never, never be disappointed in our pursuit of him you know, in our listening to his instruction and in our following his example. So I think that's just a great grace as we proceed through this Advent season, that we can look to our God with confidence, we can look to him with trust, 
you know, knowing that we'll never be disappointed. As Father Patrick was was speaking about how this mountaintop imagery and how God is the highest mountain among those and and seeing this kind of distance in this first reading of the first Sunday of Advent. So like exactly what we're, we're leading off with in this entire season of both a waiting expectation of joy, of preparation, and even a little bit of it's a penitential season as well. Um, and in the midst of all of this, we see that there's movement, right? It, it, there's nothing really static that's happening that there's this movement towards the highest mountain, this movement away um, from a, a certain type of um, past. You see the, the, the transformation of swords into plowshares, spears into pruning hooks. Like it's a transformative experience. And the, the final line of it, it just kind of sums it up. Oh, house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Um, it's this launching point, right? You can you can almost vision that as these like kind of uh, encouraging final words before you like go out of the locker room to take the field and it's like, no, let us set out on this journey. Like we're here, we are prepared, but this journey is going to be one of transformation. This journey is one towards the highest mountain, towards where God dwells. And it's going to leave behind maybe um, things of our past, our, our, our skill sets, our uh, habits that, we've used to defend ourselves so that we can be prepared to encounter the Lord and live according to his commandments. And so this, this first reading is kind of setting the tone that what we're about to embark on is a transformative experience and it, things are going to change and there's going to be movement. And it's this joy of waiting, this joy of preparation and even purification and penance is one that is uh, not just a static, passive experience, but one that's to be actively engaged in, but moving towards the Lord, keeping your eyes set on him. And I, I love the image of Father Patrick was using about this kind of like climbing the mountain where you know where that destination is, but to walk in his light along that continued path. Um, so it, this is that first reading of the entire season that begins to set that tone and that kind of um, orientation and movement of transformation. Well, with that, let's turn now to our second reading, a reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, you know the time. It is the hour now for you to awake from sleep. For our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is advanced. The day is at hand. Let us then throw off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us conduct ourselves properly as in the day not in orgies and drunkenness, not in promiscuity and lust, not in rivalry and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the desires of the flesh. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So when the Lord speaks of this present evil age, he says of the sons of darkness that they prefer the darkness to the light. Um, and obviously, as we seek to grow in our conversion, we seek to distance ourselves from the darkness and, you know, like embrace the light or walk into the light or whatever image is best for capturing that. I, I, I suppose that like in my own experience, some parallel or some, some, some image that I've, you know, I, I don't know why I'm just having great difficulty describing my experience right now, perhaps. I'll figure it out later, but okay. Um, so I've, I've, I've pulled many all nighters in my life, some intentionally and some unintentionally. It's a great grace. So if you ever 
just needing some, you know, good chats at 5 a.m. I'm your man. Um, but there's a certain moment in the night where things change. So you realize that you're not going to sleep and you're like, oh, what a blessing. I have five extra hours. Maybe I'll learn the Dominican right. Um, and then things just get progressively worse. There are no second wins. There are just, there are just deteriorations. Uh, but somewhere around like 3.30, 4 a.m., things change when you can start to hear birds sing. Obviously, it depends on the season. But for whatever reason, like birdsong communicates to me, all right, buddy, you're going to make it. Tomorrow is going to be an absolute disaster. But uh, the next day, maybe that'll be a disaster too. No promises, but you're going to make it. And I think there's something about the joy communicated by the approaching day, which the birds get wind of first, and then they communicate to you with their song. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a delight in the midst of what can be an otherwise terrible situation. And I think that as Christians, we're surrounded on every, every side by testimony of the darkness. The darkness is loud. The, the, the darkness is great at advertising, right? The darkness just has a very long reach. Um, and so when we, when we as Christians can enter into these liturgical seasons, can seek to grow our Christian community, can work on, you know, like formation, study, prayer, penance, these ways in which we come into contact with the light, where it warms our skin, where it, you know, kind of turns our face upwards, whereas formerly it was downcast. It's just, yeah, it's just such an unbelievable delight. And I think that this Advent season extends to us something of that grace. So let us learn to live in the light. People often think, the, the way they talk about the church, they act like we hear readings like this reading from St. Paul every Sunday. Um, you know, and I'd be down for that. You know, if the second lesson were always stop having sex unless it's within the confines of natural marriage, uh, like that, that would be great. But, but that's, not, that's not actually the way that it is. And so I think for, for a lot of people, when you, when, you hear, when you hear from the moral teaching of the New Testament, it's jarring, even as a believer, to hear St. Paul put things in such stark terms. Um, so so we, have, we have this tension. That's what I'm trying to articulate. We act as if we're always hearing this kind of moral language in church. Uh, but in fact, in the readings, we rarely are. We only get a few very direct lessons like this a few times a year. And then at the same time, uh, when, we, when we do hear them, uh, they resonate with us because we are, we are dying from not hearing it. And we know that even when we fall short, the gospel's call to excellence, which St. Paul articulates, uh, the teaching of the Lord Jesus in such a powerful way on this point, the gospel's call to excellence is really the one thing that's going to resonate with our human hearts. And so in this Advent season, in a penitential season, it's a perfect time to hear a very stark, very direct invitation to embrace the fullness of life uh, as presented to us by the, by the Lord. So I'm going back to what Father Gregory talked about because he picked up on- Oh, you don't want to talk about my thing? No, no, because Father Gregory was talking about what, I, what, I, what stood out to me as well. Um, and it's actually the entire motivation between, behind the season of Advent and, and even the Christmas. So we see there's two major, um, two major festivities in the church's liturgical life. You have Christmas and Easter, right? Those are the, they're kind of what everything hinges on. In the season of Easter, it, it, it happens in the springtime. And so in, in many senses, it starts to mimic um, nature. So our supernatural life also is built upon our natural life. And in doing so, uh, we find that this is there's a certain aspect of life coming from death in that season. With Advent and Christmas, it's actually a little different 
we see in in nature that it's um the darkness has taken over the days have gotten shorter the darkness has taken over and the entire season of of christmas is actually about light coming from darkness and it's christ himself who is the light that enters into this darkness which the darkness cannot overcome it and so we have this and you know even looking a little for, more uh forward uh the entire christmas season ends with a candlemas at the piece of the presentation where we have this light that then drawing from the season begins to perpetuate throughout the rest of the liturgical year and so we find saint paul and doubling down on this and say put off the works of darkness why because christ entered in the light the eternal light has entered into our darkness the eternal god has taken on our flesh to dispel dispel these works of sin this fleshy life that then dulls and darkens human flourishing in the fullness of who we are made in the image and likeness of god and so yeah he's super direct in what he says but it's this beautiful uh, articulation of um this reality of the celebration of the season of advent which is preparation for christmas which is about the light entering into our darkness and that the fact that darkness will not overcome it well with that let's go ahead and turn to the gospel a reading from the holy gospel according to matthew jesus said to his disciples as it was in the days of noah so it will be at the coming of the son of man in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day that Noah entered the ark. They did not know until the flood came and carried them all away. So will it be also at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be out in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one will be left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on which day your Lord will come. Be sure of this. If the master of the house had known the hour of night when the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and not let his house be broken into. So, too, you also must be prepared, for at an hour you do not expect the Son of Man will come. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. When I was, uh, when I was growing up and I went to a, a Catholic high school that was in a town or two near me, but not in my hometown, and um, we had to be bused from my hometown, which used our city school bus system to bus us across um, to the next city to where our high school was. And the deal was everybody had to show up at the high school and um, get dropped off because that was where everybody gathered, hopped on the bus, and then they would drive us to the town over. I don't know how my father did this, but somehow my father uh, convinced the school bus driver to actually pick us up at our front door and then drive to the school parking lot. We were not on the way, like they had to like make a special trip outside the city limits to pick us up and then turn around and go right back into the city to pick up the rest of the uh, Catholic school kids. Why we were the only ones, I don't know, but my father's a genius sometimes and he does this stuff and he's brilliant. And so that meant every morning I had to stay there and watch for the bus to come. And many mornings at 6 a.m., it's dark and the sun hasn't risen yet. And I remember watching that horizon 
and sitting on the front porch or when it was cold outside, you're looking out the, uh, the bay window and you're looking at the like the beginnings of the the horizon where the road just comes around the corner and your corner and you're watching for the headlights to come you're like ah oh, i know those aren't bus headlights that's a that's a pickup truck headlight you know and you're watching you're so attentive because you want to be able to you don't want to be late and you don't want them to wait on you in the few days that you're running late it's a mess but i just remember that expectation that joy the attentiveness to watch the horizon and you were listening, like, is that a diesel engine? No, that's a little Prius. Like, you know, you, you would be all in and being attentive to watch that horizon for the coming of this school bus. And the Lord in this first Sunday of Advent is asking us to be attentive at his coming, at his arrival in the same, you know, multi-sensory attentiveness that it took every single morning on the preparation waiting for that school bus is to allow ourselves to watch for those little kind of hints and signals. Do we see him coming? Do we see him coming around that corner? Do we have all of this? Do we wait for and listen for his arrival? Do we allow all of these things to be a motivation to be attentive for his approach in his coming uh, for us? And this is that beginning of it. And this is the entering into that uh, arrival, but he's very direct and say, be attentive, be alert, for the Lord is approaching, the Lord is coming. So I, um, you know, growing up as a kid, didn't pay any attention to this, uh, to this kind of language of rapture, which is very important to some of our Protestant brothers and sisters. Um, but I just didn't have any sense of it. You know, I didn't like read the Left Behind series or... I didn't, I didn't know where any of this was coming from. So when I, uh, in seminary began to focus more on the gospels and actually, you know, read the stuff that was read at Sunday mass and, and sort of think about it outside of the context of <laughs> bearing it in the liturgy. Uh, I, I was, I was so struck by it because it's so dramatic. It just seems so, it just seems so cinematic. And so it's no, Reflecting on it, it's no surprise that there's a whole book series written written about this. Uh, that 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 the idea of the rapture captures so much of uh, of the imagination, in particular strains of Christianity. To think that that one one would be taken, one left in so many of these contexts, and I think one of the one of the difficulties that we struggle with um, as believers is that we're already kind of living out a sort of rapture because some of our friends and family have the grace of faith. Some are taken and others are left and they don't. And when we, when we, when we think about, when we think about uh, this gospel reading, which is calling us to the last day, I think it's important to think of the last day, not only as far off, but also as here present already, that we're beginning to see those who, those who will be left, not that we know um, with certainty, the, the depths of the heart, but it gives us pause, it gives us caution, and it gives us a sense of urgency to not shy away from difficult conversations about the faith, to not be tempted to think, well, I can't talk about this with that person. Um, and instead to say, you know what, I, I have to. Um, and how, how that person responds to my invitation of faith is ultimately on them and, and it's not on me, but I, but I am bound, I am compelled by the beauty, by the goodness, by the mercy of the gospel to share my experience with Christ. Um, so that so that they would be one who would be taken, that they would be caught up in in what I've what I've tasted in the grace and the consolation of faith.
Yeah, it's it's interesting. We focused on different aspects of this particular gospel reading, but taken together, there's a kind of harmony or there's a kind of symphonic testimony to the truth. Um, because I want to focus on the aspect that, okay, you have these particular servants of the household who are instructed to stay awake so that they'll be ready for the Lord at his coming. And Father Patrick, you you brought into focus this idea that it's not just future, it's already present. And Father Joseph Anthony, you, you brought into focus this idea of our disposition, right? The kind of virtues of mind and heart that we bring to bear, like we have to be looking towards the horizon of our bus's arrival. Um, and I think that like part of that, part of being in the present and part of looking to that horizon is to recognize them in all of it. Because I think that when we imagine that great and terrible day, we imagine high fives, back pats, and then like a large couch on which we will be fed seedless fruits or something like that. Um, but the, the controlling image, I mean, I don't know. Um, so the controlling image of this reading is a catastrophe. <laughs> it's like, okay, so there was a flood and practically everyone died. But here's the thing. It's not just like the Lord wasn't just in the boat. The Lord was also in the water. Right. And we need to be attentive to the fact that he comes in the catastrophe and he comes in the deliverance. So all of it matters. Right. It's not for us to look beyond our present experience to some future experience, which will be more consoling or more encouraging or more recognizably delightful. It's for us to seek his face always because and I've forgotten which Christian author said this, but the Lord doesn't come to, to like remove our suffering. He comes to inhabit it. And I think often of the words of St. John Paul II at the end of Salva Fici Dolores where he says, Christ does not answer this human questioning about the meaning of suffering once and for all or in the abstract. He answers it to the degree that we each become sharers in his suffering. And so I think that, yeah, like what it means to stay awake means effectively to pay attention, to pay attention to our present experience as a proximate preparation for what awaits us in the end, but to look for him in the good and in the bad, because it's for him to determine what is good and what is bad. Not in the sense that he's going to like redefine values, but in the sense that he's going to make himself known and he's going to make himself loved in all of it. So here's to Advent for doing just that. Friends, we wish you a beautiful Advent season. We hope this will be a time of deep conversion. Repent, ye sinners, and look with love and joy, full expectation for Christ who is coming incarnate. Um, in the great feast of Christmas, Father Joseph Anthony is probably already putting up decorations for all I know. He loves Christmas so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of God's Planning. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like, subscribe, and leave a 17-star review. That is the most premium review. This is a little-known fact. That is the most premium review you can leave. Uh, but, but, but please do write a review of the show. We really appreciate it. It helps people find the podcast. If you'd like to donate to our project through Patreon, remember the retreat. Uh, appeal that we're having on giving tuesday if you'd like to donate to the podcast through patreon follow the link in the show description you can also follow the links in the description to shop god's planning merch and to get it to get information on upcoming upcoming god's planning events there we are as always thanks for supporting the show we're praying for you god bless mm -hmm.